0: Podcast with Dan and Scott. How does God podcast? Whether you like it or not. Refresh from back in the day when that's a at the park. 7 p.m. special where they played after dark. From the birds to the focus to the losses in the win. Welcome, podcast patron to the show. Leave the pen. Get busy golfing or get busy dying. How does God podcast? And I swear ain't lying. Yeah. Leave the pen. Welcome back podcast patrons to another episode of leave the pin podcast this is episode 173 I'm joined in-house in studio in the Pennsylvania podcast studio by the man everyone knows him favorite caddy out there Dan Urban he's caddying out right now at Saucon Valley for the US Senior Open caddy for Jay Williamson he's staying with us this week at the leave the pin house if you will uh, we're hosting them. It's been an absolute blast. We're gonna talk all about the US Senior and Open, and all about the USGA, all about his experiences out at Saucon Valley Country Club, one of the premier Golden Age courses in the Northeast. So, Dan, I gotta ask. It is, it is late Thursday night. Give me a, a brief rundown of the round today with Jay.
1: Well, thanks for having me. Um, studio's great. Uh, today was good rain first five six holes um it was it was a grind it was a struggle uh some t-balls were in the rough uh, and you just really had to mitigate mistakes out of the rough um making sure you're hitting your numbers if you're laying it up but uh it's just communication and decision
0: making um under tough conditions So Jay right now sits tied 45, uh, in great position to make the cut. Uh, First off, shout out to Jay and everyone that's going to listen to this podcast. He's been nothing short of amazing this week for granting me access, giving uh, some great words of wisdom and advice to my boys. So Jay had a little bit of a rough start in the rain. The guys who got the early morning draw this morning were completely shafted. The afternoon guys had a great and so Jay goes four over on the front, one under on the backs. So it's T-45, uh, literally controls his own destiny. And with Dan on the bag, especially with this with this kind of heater going into tomorrow, you know, good things are going to happen. So, Dan, we're going to go down the week that was so far leading up to tomorrow's, you know, cut round because the guys do play four rounds this week, even though they're on the Champions Tour, normally a 54-hole event. But any major that they have, and USGA event is going to be uh, four rounds. So so right off the bat, why don't we go into just how our week started. Why don't you give us what you did, uh, you know, kind of Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday in preparation for today's first round. Okay. Um, let's see. Monday got
1: in early. Uh Valley is only three-ish hours from my house. I'm down in central Maryland. And... um just kind of got in, registered, hit the ground running, um, getting ducks in a row, and uh, checking the book, getting something to eat, and then um, doing coursework, ch- charting the greens, really. Um, the course is really out in front of you. book's done well. and uh, But once you get on the greens, you, you really got to pay attention to the greens out here. Very, very tricky.
0: So uh, one question right off the bat. Like first time you come into the course, you know Jay's not there yet. The guy you're caddying for is not even there yet. What are your first steps? Like as soon as you arrive on grounds,
1: um, just kind of getting acclimated to where everything is. Number one, um, what he, what he might need, what he might be looking for, where the range is, where the short game area is. Are they together? Are they separated? Where's the putting green? Where does he need to register? Locker room, um. All those things, I, I kind of get all that for him uh, to make his transition to a new property uh, seamless and smooth. Uh, I'll go ahead and do my thing, kind of same sort of thing, um, but from a caddy perspective. Um, and then just kind of play, um, plan my day uh, accordingly. I knew when he was going to get in, uh, his flight had changed, so I had a little more time on my own. So I was able to take more time on Monday uh, to do what I needed to do to make sure that when we got out there for our practice rounds, I could tell them, you know, certain lines off the tees, if there was a blind tee shot, if there was a certain run out, or if you hit it to a certain location, it might, you know, funnel down to a certain location of the fairway. But, um, again, uh, I, I spent a pretty good amount of time on the greens this week because they are, uh, uh, I mean, there, there's a few of them that are just, um,
0: pretty, pretty tricky with undulating. So one of the things that I kind of really took from this week, and, and I got to let people know this is probably the most in-depth access that I've had at a tour event so far, and I'm talking legit in between the ropes, being able to be part of the caddy player interaction. Um, I mean, literally being able to like give and, and, and ascertain information whenever and wherever I wanted. So, one of the things that blew my mind with having Dan here is what long days the caddies put in. I remarked to my wife the (laughs) the other day that I feel like the caddies do twice as much work as the players. So, as a player, you're coming in, your clubs are, are there for you, you're stepping onto the first tee, and you're going to your caddy, okay, where do I hit it, dude? Like, it's just, it's that simple, and the caddy has everything charted out already, so like, Monday, these guys are out in force, I mean, like, like, ants, cover you know, covering the course, and, and every little nook and cranny is already known to them by the time that their player gets out on the course. Is that a pretty accurate description of what you guys are doing early in the week? Yeah, that's, that's
1: very accurate, um, and he, he did do a lot of that, because I don't think he's ever been here, uh, pretty, pretty sure he has not been here, um, and he was he was leaning on me from the get uh, four lines off the tees and where do I want to go here, where do I want to hit it, so on and so forth. And then there's a number of greens out there where, you know, if the, let's just say the pin's front right and you want to cover the front, you know, you give him a number, you cover the front, the ball could end up on a narrower, skinnier green back left. Um, and you need to tell him that going in because if he... If you don't say that, and he thinks he hits a good shot to the front, and the ball just continues to go to the back, he's going to go, well, what the heck happened there? You got to provide that information that
0: that's how the green is made, that's where it's going to end up, no matter what. So here's one of the cool things, um, you know, with, with the USGA media, we're allowed access to the practice areas, putting green uh, inside the ropes of the short game area, as well as the range. And so I'm walking from, uh, you know, player dining over to the practice area, and I catch up with Rocco Mediate. Rocco Mediate who's like one off the lead right now. I said Rocco, what expectations do you have coming in? And he says none, none whatsoever. I said none. He says, "Dude, I've never been here in my life. It's like this place is amazing looking." I said, "Well, what do you think about the course?" He said, I have no, no idea. He goes, "I haven't even seen a hole yet." So him walking with me the first hole he saw was 3. He's like, "Oh wow, this looks pretty cool. Hard dog leg left." And I said, "So you're going to the range now. You've never seen it in your life. When you go out and play, you know, what are you looking for? He's like, nothing, dude. My caddy's got everything taken care of. 100%. That's,
1: that's accurate this week. I mean, we're in the same boat. Um, now that we've seen it, it's a little different. You know, we got the first first competitive round underneath our belts. But uh, practice rounds, same thing. Same thing. Um, and so what we did is uh, the first day, Jay got in late. We played back nine. Uh, we did 10 through 15 it was late in the evening uh, the following day uh, did the front nine Uh, after that we then jumped over to 16 and did 16 through 18 so in two days because he got in late on Monday um, two days really a day and a half I guess but we got 18 holes in and then the following day we did more work. We saw the back nine again and then we hit up a couple holes on the front and then we were ready for today.
0: It's real interesting when you're out there, everybody has a different way to attack the course, right? Everyone's doing the same exact thing. They're taking the beginning three days, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, to understand lines, sight lines, what the greens are doing, where to hit it, where to miss, where not to, et cetera, et cetera. Um, But just from what I saw, you know, Dan's guy, Jay, played like nine holes per day. 12 on one day, set, you know, whatever. But on an average, about nine holes a day. Then there were guys that were playing 18 holes a day. Then there were guys like VJ who was on the range for four hours. The guys like Rocco who were like, hey, I'm just hitting balls to warm up and then, you know, let me jump on three and then just walk off and I'm going to play until I don't feel like playing anymore. And it's just, it's so funny how every single person has a different way to attack the course when they're all ending up towards the same end goal
1: yeah it's it's different how guys prep for things um for me uh i i obviously need to cater to my player but me personally less is more um you know i don't get into the weeds with putting and stuff like that i just take what the green's going to give me as far as visual and just feel and look Um, you know, obviously there's grain and slope and stuff like that, but, you know, I I don't get all crazy with the amount of green work that I do. I just, you know, take it as I see it with the greens, but, um, less is more. Um, these guys at this age on this tour, I mean, they've been doing it for so long. They got to listen to their bodies. They need to save their energy. It's a major, they've got five of them. They know that there's a cut. They know what, what's going to happen with weather. Today was heavy with rain, first half of the day, uh, and it lingered into the afternoon. But, um, you know, sometimes less is more. And, you know, Rocco, with no expectations, I, I think that's golden. You go in with no expectations, I, it's perfect. It frees you up. Um, and, you know, there, there's a couple things I said to Jay. It's just like, you know, let's just go out there, at one, and just – treat it as such we've never been here before we're, we're learning the course but once we've got it and it's all out in front of you let's just pay attention to the greens we'll hit it to certain sections and we'll go from there
0: and I'm I'm assuming it's a big kind of learn through the week as well right I did this on Wednesday let's not do it during the round on Thursday I did this on Thursday's round. I think the pin's going to be here tomorrow. It is. It's not. Whatever. We kind of make adjustments on the fly as we go, based on how we're hitting it. You know, and and you had mentioned something earlier, which I thought was kind of interesting. That I think a lot of amateur players can can really take from. Um, you know, Jay was saying to you, "Hey, I'm kind of hitting this little fade today." You know, like, okay, we're like we're playing this. You know, what I mean, like we're going out there and playing that. And I think so many times guys go out and try to work on their game on the course and that's where they get in trouble right and these pros are so good at making yes they're great at making these minor adjustments but they also understand that hey one day I might not be playing a fade like look at look at Morikawa during the U.S. Open dude played a draw the whole week has has gone what 27 years with playing a fade and all of a sudden he's playing a draw and he finishes top five like it's insane I think I heard something about that
1: actually from him and uh, he was not comfortable with it. Um, and back in the day, forever ago, Jack said, you know, I, I wouldn't fight what I had on the range that day. You know, if I had a draw, okay, that's what I'm doing that day. If I, if, if I had a fade, uh, I got to work with the fade. Um, it, it would be great to be able to control every shot and be perfect, but that's not going to work. You have to play with what you have that day. And if you don't like it, it's going to be a fight. We fought it out today. Uh, Jay was not hitting it the way that he wanted to. Uh, he stayed in the fight, loved it. I was in his corner. I was his ring man. Um, and we we, we eked out a round. He said to me after the round today, he said, uh, you know, we could have shot a 78 today. And so we're essentially, what, four shots better. Right. And um, I'm, I'm going to take a lot from that. He showed me so much heart in the first round of this major, and I told him that. Um, that's important to me. You know, the the guy's not going to quit. I knew that going into it, um, and he, he proved it today.
0: I want to try to change gears a little bit, get off the course talk and stuff, and, and kind of tell people a little bit behind-the-scenes action at the U.S. Open, senior U.S. Open, if you will. It doesn't even feel like a senior U.S. Open. You know what I mean? These, these are the guys that I grew up watching, that you grew up watching, like, you know, Ernie Els, Tom Lehman, Jim Furyk, uh, Steve Stricker, Patty Harrington like how's he on the senior tour already?
1: Right, exactly. I I don't well, these guys can still bomb it. Um yesterday we were on we were on 10. Uh it was drier, no rain, sun's out a little bit. Slightly downwind on 10 and it's 316 uphill carry to 10. And we're up there putting around and and trying to figure out what pin locations could be through the week and stuff like that and um, on the front of the green, watching certain balls roll around, and uh, almost through my legs comes Patty Harrington's drive. And I turned around, scoped him out through through the, uh, through the Bushnell, and uh, I'm like, there's only a couple guys in the field that can do that. Um, and Els was in the group, and I thought maybe it was Ernie, and I know Ernie plays a on. And it was a Titleist, and I was trying to figure it out, and there's Patty, And he can – I've seen him happy Gilmore, and he he unleashed that one. So these guys can still play. I mean, I, I grew up watching these guys as well, and uh, the, the game is, is, is there. These guys can play.
0: And I want to make it known for everyone out there that thinks, oh, they're playing the Senior U.S. Open. They're probably playing from – I had people in the audience, people in the gallery say, oh, I think they're playing from the Senior T's. These dudes are playing it from a shade under 7,000 yards, okay? They're not not seniors. No, it is not senior tees at all. It is, like, full, legit, one foot in the back of the rough tips of this course, which is always lush and long at hardly any elevation. Champions tees. Champions tees. There you go. Yeah, it's uh, it's insane. And Ernie Ellison, in his press conference that I was sitting in for, was saying, hey, there's still some guys that are going to hit at 300-plus out there. And someone was like, Ernie, that's you. And he's like, oh, I guess it is me, you know. (laughs) Uh, But, yeah, dude, these guys still bomb it. They got great short games. Tell me if I'm wrong with this, Dan. My observation during the week is that the majority of these guys are not as good of putters as they were in the past. And that's where I see the majority of these guys spending most of their time as well. With putting. And everyone knows, I mean, I see it with myself, like, you know, the eyes start to go at 40. Tigers talked about that. Phil's talked about that at length. And I just feel like that's, if, if, first off, if you're not a golf fan and you came out to Saucon Valley this week and you saw them play, you'd have no idea they were seniors. Like, if you didn't look at them up close and you just were in the gallery from afar, you could not tell. Or 50 and over. 50 and over, right. Um, but from, from someone that is, you know, super deep into the golf world, that's the one thing that I notice is that, is that the putting is just not as tight as it normally is. Let's say on the PGA tour, or the corn ferry tour, I would agree with that. Um, but it's just
1: as important and they work on it just as hard. Uh, it's, it's obviously an art form. It's a feel game. Once you're on the putter, uh, putting green, um, The other thing, too, is that obviously last year there were putting green material, uh, putting green books that are no longer in effect. So that takes a lot of, you know, slope, break, aim point, what have you, out of the equation. So there's more of a feel, art form back in it. And, you know, the players voted on that not to have that material anymore. And good on them because
0: I think it brings a lot more back to the game, especially with putting. My boy Rocco Mediate is one off the lead. He's 3-under. I want to give a big shout-out to Jay Williamson, Brian Mogg, uh, Brian Spitz, Mike Molino, and James Chung, all pros that are in the field this week that have given us just unprecedented access and have been, honestly, some of the nicest people that I've, that I've met. I was talking to a few people online through DMs and stuff. And they were just like, you know, what's the vibe out there? I'm like, the vibe, even though it's a USGA event, even though it's their US Open, is so low-key. I feel like most of these guys have made their money. They've made their mark already. You know, this is like in addition to their PGA Tour pensions that they're getting. It's kind of like fun money. And, yes, they are super competitive. And and come like the end of the day yesterday, on Wednesday, you could see the, the tide start to change. Everyone that wanted to talk in the beginning was just like, you know what, Dan, it, just not right now. And I was like, cool, dude. Like, you're ready to work? I, I get it. You know what I mean? It's like, it's game time now. Uh, the crowds were getting a little bit bigger. Monday and Tuesday were phenomenal. I mean, anything I asked of these guys, they were willing to do. Uh, except for, you know, one, one, of, my, one of my favorite caddies out there. You know, he's too busy lighting up a cigarette, didn't want to talk. And I respect that greatly because he didn't want to be part of the story. You know what I mean? Like, he is like, I'm not the story, my guy is. So as much as you know my name and, and it's going to go down in the history books, I, like, I, don't want to be, I don't want to be known. I don't want to take any of the shine off of, off of my guy this week.
1: I love the story that you told me. And all it took was, hey, do you have a couple minutes to talk? And he looks at you and he says, no. That's and he it. just turned and walked off. <laughs> and that's all you need. And you know what? That's my man right there. And he was just coming off of a uh, U.S. Open appearance with his guy. And I love that about the guy. You can't fault him for it.
0: No, and, and everybody, you know, people say, Did you get turned down by people? Yeah, I got turned down left and right by people. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm not out on the Champions Tour week in, week out. They don't, they don't know me as a familiar face. You right. know, so you've got to break the ice. You've got to introduce yourselves to them. you got to quickly, literally within like 10 seconds, who you are, what you are, what are you doing, what do you want from them, and how much time do you want from them. The bottom line is they really don't care what you want. They want to know how much time you need to take. So Mike Weir, for example, very gracious with his time, I said to him, Mike, I said, you know, my name's Dan Panisher from Leave the Pin Podcast, doing media for the USGA this week, was wondering if we could talk to you about the course real quick. He said, well, I'm kind of working right now. He's walking from the chipping area over to the range. I said, by the time you get over to the range, I'd be done with my question. And he was like, okay, dude. He's like, I. he goes, I respect that. He goes, go ahead. And he Perfect. stopped and talked, you know, with me, but... I see other people out there that are like, hey, can you give me 30 seconds? And that 30 seconds turns into five minutes, and these guys are pissed. They're looking at their watches. Their caddies have to interject so the player doesn't look like a bad guy. And that sucks for the player because you're on video, social media rounds, You know, things go viral, and all of a sudden it could be like, oh, this guy just completely cut off an interview with you know, this up-and-coming you know, social media guy. I mean, they're prepping for a major. Right. I mean, these guys take this seriously.
1: They're out here for a reason. Um, they still want to beat their buddies. They still want to beat guys that they may have not have beaten before on the regular tour. They might be having a season, you know. So for them to be giving up their time like that while while they are quote-unquote working, uh, which they are, hello, um, that's what they do. And it's it's awesome that
0: they still give their time. Yeah, we tried to keep the mood light on Wednesday, asking them about what music they listen to on and off the course. So I get Ernie Els, and we're, I'm walking from the trailer over to the putting green. That's where he's going. And I'm talking with him as he's walking. He's signing autographs for people and stuff. I said, Ernie, can I get 10 seconds of your time and talk about you know, what your favorite music is? He's like, boss. He said, that's not my expertise. He's like, go to someone else on that one. I said, hey. I said, no problem at all. Have a great round. He stops and turns. He goes, hey, but I really like the question you asked yesterday in the press conference. See you later on. Right? Like that's, that all of a sudden, a lot of people would go, oh, well, Ernie Els is a jerk, which of course he's not. He's working. Like, if if he came into my work and was like, hey, Dan, I need to talk to you right now while you're teaching, I'd be like, all right, dude, well, there's like five minutes left in class. You know what I mean? We can, at the end of that. But it was just, he, he had no reason to say that at the end. He did. I mean, that makes me even more of an Ernie Els fan th- than I already was.
1: Well, and earlier in the week for me, when I'm doing my coursework and Jay's not around, I, I happened to catch up with Ernie's group and I I forget who he may have been playing with and um, along the way from hole to hole or whatever when, um, you know, there's some local news media around and uh, there's some people coming in the gates um, in between holes, more than gracious to stop for a news broadcast, sign some autographs, Uh, local outlets were there doing some photography or whatever and he stopped every time. Every time, so I mean, it, it. Sometimes these guys get a bad rap from the public, but people just don't know.
0: There's there's an enormous drain on their time, uh, and their time is constrained as is. And this, you know, every time Dick and Harry is out there, and they want a piece, you know, and it's it's these guys definitely don't have their guards up like they did on the regular tour, right? It's much more relaxed. It's a much more low key vibe, but still, you got to have boundaries. And and I see so many people nonstop. Even at this tournament here, even at a senior event, just trying to like get inside those boundary lines. One of the marshals, the boys and I were leaving you yesterday, actually, at the end of the practice round, to go over to the merch tent. All right. Actually, pretty decent merch tent. I was pretty surprised. You were surprised at some of the stuff they had in there. It wasn't like archaic and, and geriatric as as I thought it would be. So I go to stop for a marshal. Cause he's holding the rope. I said, excuse me, sir. Can I get past yet? I said, I see the players are just over there. I just want to run underneath. He says, Oh yeah, of course. Thank you so much for asking. And I said, people just been kind of bull rushing all week long. Haven't they? He's like, yeah, he's like, and, and this guy was old. Like he was in the seventies. He goes, old people think they can do whatever they want. And I just started dying. (laughs) I mean, the Marshalls, Marshalls
1: have it tough, but uh, then, then there's other times where, you know, they get into a conversation with a friend, or uh, I don't know a club member or something like that, and it, it, they get a little sidetracked and this and that. But uh, yeah, it patrons the the fans or whatever like respect the marshals. They're they're donating their time. They're they're actually paying to be there. Um, you know one, I think one guy this week was on on vacation for crying is, is, out is, loud. Let me
0: interrupt. Is that the greatest racket in the world that the PGA Tour Champions Tour has developed? The fact that they. Obviously, you need volunteers to run a tournament. You actually cannot have a tournament function if you don't have volunteers. If you had to pay people for that, the purses would be cut in half. So they get the volunteers in, but not only do they get the volunteers in, but they also get money from the volunteers to get crappy polos and crappy hats that they'll probably never wear again in their life. It's got to be the greatest racket in all professional sports. It's a good
1: scheme. I mean, it, it, get, it gets them the experience. It gets them inside the ropes. It gets them helping us out. It gets them access. It gets them holding the ropes to keep people in and out. <laughs> um, but I, I totally get it. I've had friends, Marshall, they, they were all about it. They have long days too. Uh, there's volunteers in the caddy area helping serve food and keeping drinks replenished. You cannot have a tournament without the volunteers. You can't. can't be done.
0: So many of the volunteers, again, are out there for long stretches at a time, five, six hours, food's delivered to them, you know, they get, like, a reprieve to go to the bathroom here and there. I even took, and I know I've seen you do it, I've seen Jay do it, some of the other pros do it, always thank the volunteers. I have actually gone and thanked them for, like, opening up a rope, you know, hey, thank you guys for being out here, stuff like that. I'm just doing media work now. You know what I mean? Like, I I, I feel like more people need to appreciate what the volunteers do on a weekly basis for the PGA Tour.
1: Well, the biggest takeaway from that, too, is that, you know, we talk about the players' time. What about the volunteers' time, number one? But number two, they want to be recognized, too. There's a ton of tournaments where I've been at, and nothing's said to them. There's no look given their way they're right there uh it's uh, they want to be involved i involve them to a certain extent i thank them for their time and that's the way it should be i mean um i I just that's just me as a person you know
0: if you really think about it you know people can remember moments of their life that you know they were kind of touched by a phrase or, or a simple gesture if you're a tour pro if you're a caddy and you just say, hey, guys, thanks so much for volunteering this week, or, you know, hey, man, that hat looks great on you, or something like that, or, you know, thanks so much, just little things like that. And, and let's say you're a big name. You're, you're an Ernie Ells. You're Steve Stricker. You're Jim Furyk. Like, they're going to remember, man, I was back at, you know, the 11th hole at Saucon Valley, and Furyk, like, during the week when he was playing – was like hey man how's that Gatorade taste like it's good I'm gonna grab one of those too man you want one you know or hey awesome job this week like I really really appreciate everything you're doing like people don't forget those things or you give a kid a ball or you sign a flag like those are moments within not even within golf but within these people's lives that people just do not forget
1: yeah I've I've had uh uh numerous moments like that but i obviously the kids are always wanting to get the kids involved and and brighten up their day and and give them a ball and stuff like that but uh there was a uh moment uh last well i guess two weeks ago now and uh it's strickers tournament in wisconsin um where they had uh two kids um two boys uh i think two days in a row uh, I, I don't know where they were from or who who they were involved with but they were they were helping us out in the uh, the first tea tent by handing out bibs uh, pencils tea's pin locations stuff like that and you get to the tea you know eight minutes ish before your your tea time and kids had a blast they you know they're young eight well maybe 10 12 14 or or whatever but they maybe their first time doing it but um in that role but just to include them and talk to them you know hey what what are you you doing what's going on what's your job what's your name how are you do you play golf just stuff like that and it was two days in a row and one of the volunteers before our tea time you know asked me my name and have I been there before and stuff like that and she said you know yesterday your interaction with those kids was fantastic you made them feel involved um they had smiles on your faces you you were really good with them and thank you for that and that's just that's not to show off that's not by design that's just it's genuine it's genuine I mean they're on the first tee they're inside the ropes they're helping us out they're handing us our bibs I mean you're gonna ignore them you're gonna be a jerk
0: yeah I think it's always cool how the players do interact so well with the standard bearers and the kids out there I mean it's it's something that uh, a lot of players have even said like man I did this yeah. When I was a junior golfer, yeah. you know, I, I Marshall, my dad, Marshall, he, he, you know, so-and-so said, Hey, you know, awesome hat this week. And I never forgot the way that made me feel. And then they have the ability to pay it forward, which is awesome. All right, let's uh, switch gears real quick. I want to talk. A lot of people have asked, Hey, what's the food like? Right. <laughs> what's the food like? They always say, I say, well, what's it like in the media center? They just give you like, you know, granola bar stuff. I gotta tell you what the USG, USGA never, never fails to disappoint. Um so for example you know how much i love barbecue Dan okay it's very very common knowledge that i'm I a big barbecue had, I had, fan i had
1: no idea you only brought home like four <laughs> sandwiches in your backpack the other day
0: <laughs> so the first day that we're there inside the media center the usga has pulled pork sandwiches probably my favorite food in the world
1: that's why they ran out because you (laughs) took some home they had some to go once they ran out they
0: were to go so i took them to go They
1: ran out they were serving some guy mac and cheese because they didn't have any more barbecue
0: so i'm thinking they have coleslaw on top of it so i pull the coleslaw off turns out that it was shredded apples with an apple barbecue sauce it was phenomenal the next day I bring my boys with me. They're leave-the-pin interns helping out with camera work, right? Yeah. They did a good job, right?
1: They did. The, the
0: camera was steady, and interns typically
1: don't get paid, and they didn't get
0: paid. There you go. And what are child labor laws when they're your own kids? So <laughs> inside the media center that day, they have this spicy grilled chicken sandwich. Uh, the, i tell you what. The cookies did suck. The chocolate chip cookies sucked yesterday. The brownies the day before were phenomenal. I should have doubled up on the brownies. But instead, I tried to go a little bit different with the chocolate chips on Wednesday. It didn't really work out in my favor.
1: I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that they didn't have a pastry chef on site.
0: Do you um, have a pastry chef? I have one for you.
1: Not, not for us. Oh, I I'm, had a, I had a muffin
0: in players' dining. I'm
1: just, I'm just saying. I know that that food is like probably, obviously prepared
0: on site. Yeah, actually, right, right behind, they have a tent right behind where they, where they do all the preparation.
1: Right. I would say that like the cookies and stuff, or I don't know. But- Pre made or, or brought in or something like that. I don't think they've got like guys doing like that. homemade by ShopRite. Sure,
0: yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. The brownies were real good though. Uh, so I'm looking forward to the rest of the week and seeing what's going on. A lot of the other crew members from Leave the Pin, you know, the kind of the, the hangers on that we have every once in a while on Tyler the Creator, D. Lou, co host Monscato. Uh, they'll be coming in throughout the rest of the week, which is going to be kind of neat. And uh, we'll get their takes. Done a lot of social media stuff. Social media presence has grown. Been giving our cards out to a lot of people. People are are, are very impressed, I guess. As as one of the players says, "I'm very impressed you have your own card." I'm like, "Well, yeah. you got you got recognized too this week." Well, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's been it's been a running joke. We need to get you a bobblehead doll. It's been a running joke within the leave the pin circles that um. Every once in a while, I do get recognized. This does not go to my head, believe me. Um, as is this,
1: I is this from "Leave the Pin" or from a a, a lineup like a crime was committed?
0: This, this is from "Leave the Pin." Okay, this yeah. is from "Leave the Pin." So okay. good, good, good. So I, I get I, the, yeah the one day there was like eight people that recognized me, um, and they were like, "Oh, Dan, Dan!" I am like, "What the like? This is this is wild, but not the best, right? Not the best. The best ever." I thought, I thought was when I got recognized on the putting green at Pinehurst, when the guy was like, you're Dan from Leave the Pin. And I was like, I've made it. <laughs> that's impressive. That's impressive at Pinehurst? At Pinehurst. It is. It, I don't want to say it's impressive, but, but. It, some, I'd say that's impressive. Someone was following. They found it was me. But, but, but Wednesday, Wednesday, we have children running around with markers and flags. Right? And one person in particular signed this kid's flag. No one knew who they were. So I let the family members know what player that was. Sure. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were like, Oh, awesome, thank you so much. I walk past that family onto the putting green and a kid grabs my arm and says, Can I have your autograph?
1: I would have signed it. I know you didn't, but I would have I would have signed
0: it. I told I said, no, no, no. I said, you do not want my autograph. And the kid was like, yes, I do. And I Give was, the kid what he wants. And I was like, oh, maybe you should have it then, kid. <laughs> maybe not on the flag. Maybe just like on a post-it note or something. So I, I explained, I said, no. I said, I'm just here doing media, my man. I said, that's why I have a microphone in my hand. I said, you want all their autographs. I said, I'll funnel them your way. Um, and the, you know the dad had a good laugh at that, but uh, that's that's probably the highlight of my entire podcasting career. I
1: mean the kid the kid's getting it. The kid's you know he's gonna get that autograph. The kid's he's getting after it. working. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's yeah.
0: not he's not uh, he's not getting busy dying. He's getting busy golfing. That kid. <laughs> All right, getting <laughs> after getting,
1: getting busy autographing.
0: All right, so uh, let's let's end on this. Let's wrap up on this. Uh, plans for the rest of the week. And I know that's looking into a crystal ball. I understand yeah. that that you know things change and you don't have control over them. But but
1: ultimate plans for the the rest of the week for you? Weather's going to be better. We had yeah. a solid range session after the round today. Battled hard. Conditions weren't great. We made it work. Uh, didn't let the round get out of control. Tomorrow is going to be better. Uh, found a little something on the range. We're more comfortable. And uh, we're just going to plot along and we're just going to tick off birdies. We're going to tick off guys in the field and uh, we're going to climb that leaderboard. That's the way it's going to be.
0: I love it. Well, we're going to be along for the ride. If anyone's out there and, and they want to meet up and hang out and walk the course with us Friday, Saturday, Sunday, let me know tomorrow. If you're listening to this before you get out to Salking Valley, we're going to be out there around 11 o'clock or so. going to follow my man, uh, Brian Spitz. And then, Hook up with Dan Urban and kind of live that that caddy life out on the course. Uh, shaping up to be a great championship. The weather is all past us. We we should have some summer temps coming into the Northeast, which we haven't as of late. I played golf today and it was 61 degrees. Played in three layers and pants. That was awesome. Uh, but hopefully we can get shorts and uh, and short sleeve polos. You know for the rest of this week. Uh, D Urban, anything else for the people out there? Keep following. Keep listening and keep playing. All right, people. Whether get busy golfing or get busy dying. If you're listening to Leave the Pin Podcast, which I know you are, you know we got to talk about Eagles and Arrows. In 2022, Eagles and Arrows is going in a completely different direction with some great customizable gear. They are doing patch hats that are unlike anything else out there in the market. Anything that you can think of, anything that you want to design and put on a hat, Grant at Eagles and Arrows has got you. Now, they're not going away from all their tried and true traditional stuff, the super soft t-shirts, the premium cabretta leather gloves, the valuable pouches, everything that you know Of And love for the quality of Eagles and Arrows is still available. This is just a new entry into the marketplace. I'm going to tell you what Grant does it better than anybody else out there. Go to Eagles and Arrows CO on Instagram. That's Eagles and Arrows Co on Instagram DM Grant or go to www.Eaglesandarrows.com. Send him a message, any type of product, big or small, any type of job that you need done with patches grant has got you you want to get stuff for a team you want to get stuff for a tournament you're running maybe for a buddy's trip the turnaround times astronomically quick grant's quality is honestly to die for there's no one out there that cares more about the product than him as always we couldn't be happier to have him as a sponsor as well as the entire eagles and arrows brand so live life love golf get to eagles and arrows Get whatever you need pronto.